The following recording has been adapted from a material on English for academic purposes written by Ken Beatty. The title is Slow Food, Please, Levels, Intermediate Up. I imagine that most of you have had a fast food meal this month, this week, or maybe even today. The term fast food has been in popular use for more than 60 years, although the concept of a quick bite prepared with more concern for speed and budget than for nutrition has been around for much longer. Today, I'd like to persuade you that you should seriously consider following the opposite trend, the slow food movement. After, I'd like to make sense of it with an example of one individual's journey from fast food to slow food. The slow food movement began in Italy and was largely the initiative of one man, Carlo Petrini. Petrini, born in 1949, initially became known for his opposition to the opening of McDonald's next to Rome's historic Spanish steps. His continuing opposition to fast food, or rather his celebration of the pleasures of traditional foods, became a movement in 1989, when he and others created a manifesto that laid out general principles about how food should be good, clean, and fair. Good is defined as being part of a fresh and flavorsome seasonal diet that satisfies the senses and is part of the local culture. Clean refers to food production and consumption that do not harm the environment, animal welfare, or our own health. Fair refers to accessible prices for consumers and fair conditions and pay for small-scale producers. Let's look at each of these in turn. The idea of good focuses on local specialties. In most countries, food production has become standardized along the lines of a factory model. Often the economies of scale, that is, the ability of large corporations to use their fast sales to drive down prices, mean that many traditional farmers cannot compete. Associated with this mass production is the loss of biodiversity as corporations look to save money by offering fewer choices. Take apples, for example. Between 1804 and 1904, 7,000 commercial varieties of apples existed. Now, that number has largely decreased in supermarkets to just two varieties, red and golden delicious and the sub-varieties of apples bred from them. Many small farmers are trying to bring back old apple varieties as well as a wide variety of other fruits, vegetables and livestock. In terms of clean, the slow food preference is for food that is produced with few, if any, artificial pesticides or fertilizers. However, although organic is a preference, many slow food advocates favor locally produced foods that are not completely organic over organic foods that are imported over great distances, with the additional costs and pollution of shipping. The third characteristic, fair, is also extremely important. Much of the food you eat may be produced in other countries, particularly if it's not fresh. The conditions for workers are often appalling, closer to slavery. The slow food movement recognizes that for local farming to be viable, the farmers need to be paid fair prices for their goods. These prices may be higher than those at the supermarket, but the difference in quality and taste makes buying local produce worthwhile. At the beginning, I mentioned I would give you an extended example drawn from the experiences of one individual. I recently interviewed Michelle Pensglave, a slow food proponent who lives on Bowen Island, on Canada's west coast. 
The first thing I asked Michelle was whether she grew up eating what we now call slow food. She surprised me by saying no, quite the opposite. She said this was especially true when she was younger, living with her single mother. Her mother would pick Michelle up from the babysitters after work, and they'd either buy packaged TV dinners or stop at a chain restaurant for a fast food dinner. Michelle, who keeps an extremely tidy and well-organized home, said they would toss all the wrappers into the back of the car, where the waste would remain forgotten. Deep piles of discarded wrappers and boxes grew. While driving, a fast turn would send the wrappers and soda cans flying from one side of the car to the other. The mess was at least appreciated by Michelle's two dogs, who took advantage of car trips to forage for what she characterized as petrified fries and leftover portions of burgers still in their wrappers. However, Michelle told me that her mother was something of a contradiction, because although they ate lots of fast food and had plenty of pancake mix and other convenience foods in the house, they also did summertime canning, made jam, and often baked from scratch, creating meals from basic fresh ingredients. Michelle explained that her family eventually had a vegetable garden. She loved working in the garden with her mother, digging in the fragrant dirt. Michelle added that a special treat was their frequent stops for fresh fruit at roadside fruit stands. Both cherries and apricots were popular local specialties. On the other hand, her family was a standard middle-class family who used the microwave a lot, as many people still do. Once her mother remarried, they made a habit of cooking interesting meals and eating them together at the table almost every night. Her mother always set the table nicely, and they usually had candles. Michelle enjoyed dinner time bonding as a family, which she explains is a slow foodish thing to do. After graduating from Yale University, five years in Europe led Michelle to the conclusion that most North Americans are unable to savor the moment. Really tasting food and making a meal more about people, conversation, and flavors. And, most of all, not rushing it. The fast food, all-you-can-eat mentality is entrenched in North America. Too many people are so obsessed with calories or eating quickly that they've forgotten how to enjoy themselves when they are eating. Michelle moved closer to the slow food movement when she got married and she and her husband bought their first house. Michelle worked for a newspaper reporting on business, food, and agriculture. She also wrote food reviews, which led to her authoring a guidebook for dining in Santa Fe, New Mexico. During this time, she met an amazing farmer in Albuquerque, New Mexico, whom everyone called Farmer Monte. He had just launched a community support agriculture co-op. Michelle first wrote about his work and then ended up joining his co-op. She was inspired by his passion and the joy he created around local eating. Michelle explains that his boxes of fresh produce were gorgeous, and picking them up at his farm each week was a social highlight. She loved the way people gather around the food, and it became the glue of a little community of food lovers. Michelle says that she and the other members of the co-op were fascinated with Monte's struggles in the fields and adopted his worries and aspirations as their own. The more farmers she met and wrote about, the more passionate about local food and agriculture she became. Pretty soon she was hooked. 
Michelle started by trying to grow chili peppers in her own garden, and it all, um, I guess we could say, blossomed from there. Soon she was making her own baby food, experimenting with cooking, shopping at farmer's markets, and seeking out wine from local vineyards. After moving to Bowen Island near Vancouver, Canada, with her husband and two kids, Michelle started a celebration called Bow Feast, a play on the name of the island's annual festival, Bow Fest. But rather than positioning slow food as a chore, she has tried to make it all about sharing the joy and excitement of growing food, eating local food, supporting local farmers, and celebrating harvests. The event promotes local eating during one week of the year and includes a community farmer's market. It also involves local retailers and grocery stores and gets kids involved. It's all about having fun with food. A special challenge of Bow Feast is to encourage the community to host do-it-yourself feasts, using as many local or regional ingredients as possible. Michelle and her husband do so in their own home, traditionally organizing an outdoor meal in the garden for about 12 couples. Each couple brings a dish featuring as many local ingredients as possible. It's a magical evening with guests presenting their dishes to fanfare and applause. As a whimsical part of the celebration, a bow-fist king and queen are chosen from among the guests and crowned with rosemary and lavender, acknowledging their support for local food over the past year. This past year, Michelle connected with students on the island who have their own school garden. She invited them to participate in the farmer's market because, as she said, it's important to get kids excited about growing and eating local food and understanding why that matters. Michelle also started a weekly harvest box program to get locally grown produce into the hands of her friends and neighbors. She goes out of her way whenever possible to connect local island farmers to customers who are happy to buy directly from them. In keeping with the fair aim of the slow food movement, Michelle says that it is vital for the small local farmers on her island to be able to make a decent living. It's pretty much impossible at the moment, she says, but the more people who start buying from a grower down the street, instead of from a chain grocery store, the more realistic that goal will become. She'd like to work on this particular piece of the puzzle next, to figure out how to make it more attractive to become a farmer in the first place. She'd like to help the growers on Bowen Island boost their sales so that they can continue their important work. She says that her own experience growing food in her yard has given her huge respect for what the farmers do, the magic they work with seeds and soil. Michelle calls it a miracle. I'm here today to tell you that you can each be part of this miracle. Sometime this week, take the time to enjoy a meal handmade from local ingredients. Share this meal with friends and avoid distractions. Turn off your phones, computers, and TVs. Celebrate the taste of real food and perhaps think about growing even one vegetable, fruit, or herb on your windowsill. Both your body and mind will thank you for it.